Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 26, how Isaac forgot God's promises in fear in Egypt, but how God graciously helped restore Isaac's marriage after lying to King Abimelech about his wife, Rebekah. Now, before we begin with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God, we want to remind you that Tom Cantor has a daily devotional verse email. It comes out Monday through Friday, something to encourage you through the work week and improve your friendship with God. It's just one verse from the Bible and a short commentary on that verse from Tom Cantor. Just one or two sentences, nothing big, but something to let you meditate from the Word of God. And Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse can be received on your phone or by email, and you can sign up online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also call us. We'll sign you up over the phone at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. And if you'd like to make a donation, it's 100% tax deductible towards this Bible teaching radio program and also Jewish Evangelism Outreach Ministry with Israel Restoration Ministries, whom Tom Cantor is the founder of. And we have right now a summer blitz going on, reaching Jewish people in 15 U.S. and Canadian cities with 111 missionaries. If you'd like to support this Bible teaching radio program or the summer blitz, you can donate 100% tax deductible by calling us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, teaching us from Genesis chapter 26, how Isaac forgot God's promises in his fear in Egypt, but how God graciously restored him and his marriage after lying to King Abimelech. The parable of the sower, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. That's he which was received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed in a stony place is the same as he that heareth the word, and none with joy receiveth it, but yet he hath he no root in himself, dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth, because of the word, by and by, he's offended. And he also receives seed among the thorns, is he that hears the word, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, he becomes unfruitful. But he that receives seed in a good ground is he that hears the word, understands it, he bears fruit, and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. See, for us to follow the Lord Jesus Christ is for us to see four heart grounds and to be able to put every person in life and to do this consciously into one of those four heart grounds. See, the follow the Lord Jesus Christ means to be happy with what he's happy with. For example, he said, in Matthew 18, 11 through 13, he said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And he said, how think ye if a man have a hundred sheep, one of them gone astray, does not leave the ninety and nine, goeth after the mountain, seeketh that which has gone astray, and if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine that went not astray. See, whenever a lost person or a Christian who's lost his way with God is brought back to the Lord Jesus Christ, that makes him extremely happy. And that should make us happy too, if we're following him. As he says in Luke 15, 10, likewise I say unto you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. See, when a lost sinner comes to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, it makes him very happy. And when we follow him, makes us very happy. So to follow our example in the Lord Jesus Christ means to see life as he sees it, to be happy with what makes him happy, and to be angry with what makes him angry. 
When we saw it in John 2, it says in John 2, 13 through 16, the Jews' Passover was at hand. Not God's Passover. It says the Jews' Passover is at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem, found in the temple those that sold oxen, sheep, doves, changes of money sitting, and when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said to them that sold the doves, take these things hence. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. It makes him angry to see the service of God changed into a money-making operation. And we're following him, it'll make us angry too. To follow him, it means that we will be sad over what he's sad about. He looks over Jerusalem. Intense sadness comes to him. And in Matthew 23, 37, he's in a state of sadness when he wails, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, stone of stone, which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thee, thy children together, even as a hen gathereth their chickens under her wings, and ye would not, and you could hear the cries after he said you would not. It made him so sad. His heart is broken over the lost condition of the Jewish people today. And when we follow him, our heart will be broken over the lost condition of the Jewish people. To follow our example means that we have his mind in us, which is described for us so wonderfully. In in Philippians 2, we're told, let this mind be in you, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. He was in the form of God, but he didn't think it robbery to be equal with God, because he was God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a certain servant, made in the likeness of men, found in fashion as a man, humbled himself, became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. See, Paul knew that the Corinthians were floundering, and they were floundering in sin because they needed an example to follow. So Paul says, you need an example to follow? Follow me, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.16. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, be ye followers of me, even as I am also of Christ. See, in those verses, he's telling them, follow me, because I'm following Christ. So Isaac knew how Abraham lived in that wicked land, and Isaac knew that Abraham had his best times in that land, and so he saw in the life of Abraham the fulfillment of what it says in Psalm 23, 5, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. See, it was right in the presence of his enemies, Abraham's enemies, that God prepared a table and blessed him. And Isaac saw this. So verse 6 is so important because Isaac says, I'm in. I'm deciding to stay here. Isaac dwelt in the land of Gerar. Same is true for us. It's when we are under fire. That's the time when God blesses us especially. Now, verse 7 comes along, and Isaac's caught totally off guard. Out of the blue, men start congregating around his wife and saying, whoa, you know, not bad. Who's she? And a sudden interest in the beauty of his wife. Suddenly, Isaac feels alone, afraid. Oh, they're going to kill me so that they can have Rebecca. In the suddenness of it all, Isaac's caught off guard. He forgets all that God has told him about his seed being with the multitude of the scars. He doesn't stop to think, how can I make my seed like the multitude of the scars if I get killed for her? And so fear just blinds his reasoning So Isaac immediately lies and says, oh, no, she's my sister. She's my sister. Don't you think I'm as good-looking as she is? Now, the castles in those days had kind of a lattice work for windows, and that allowed the light to come in 
that they were in such a way that when the sand would blow, it would block the sand. And so what's happening now in verse 8 is that Abimelech is looking out of one of those windows and he sees Isaac, as it says here, sporting with his wife, with Rebecca. Now, it's interesting, you know, he's sporting. I don't know, what do you think when you read sporting? You know, what were they playing? Basketball together? I mean, you know, <laughs> you know sporting with his wife. So the Hebrew word doesn't mean, you know, they were doing athletics together. You know? So <laughs> the word sporting here is the Hebrew word that actually means laughing. They were laughing. So what Abimelech saw was Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. Abimelech saw Isaac squealing in laughter. Abimelech saw you know, Isaac out there and says, look at that man out there. He is so happy. He's joyful. He's ecstatic. He's, he's laughing in the state of joy and excitement. What Abimelech saw is what it says in Proverbs 5, 18. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. See, Abimelech looked out there and he says, I see a man rejoicing with the wife of his youth. That's what I see. And so Abimelech saw Isaac. What did he see? He saw him playing. He looked at Isaac and he says, he's playing. Abimelech saw Isaac and Rebekah doing what kids are going to do in about 20 minutes from now out there in that playground. They were playing together. You know, that's what couples today typically don't do. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in just a moment here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that Tom Cantor is the owner and operator of the Original Creation Museum, the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, located in the suburbs of San Diego. And if you are from San Diego, you're probably familiar with the museum. Or If you haven't been here, we'd like you to come out and visit. Or if you're going to be in town visiting from one of the other stations and you're listening outside of San Diego, we want you to make it a point when you come to San Diego or the Southern California area to come and see the Creation and Earth History Museum with Tom Cantor. You'll see the biblical account of the six days of creation. We have an Age of the Earth cave. We've also got a full-size live tabernacle theater. We've also got a human anatomy wing, as well as many other fossils and facts. Go to creationsd.org. For more information, creationsd.org. Now here's Tom Cantor. Couples today don't play together, as we see it here in verse 8. Couples today are not like Isaac and Rebekah in verse 8. Couples today are not like children at play. The affairs of the home today have made couples like business partners together. As soon as they're married, they're thrust into the business of making money together for financial survival. They're not like Isaac and Rebecca in verse 8. They're not like children at play. As soon as they're married, then they enter into the business of making babies together. They're not like Isaac and Rebecca in verse 8. They're not like children at play. And they enter into this business, they become business partners in the business of raising children. You know, they're not like Isaac and Rebekah in verse 8. They're not like children of play. They are business partners in the business of operating a home. And it's a business to operate a home. I mean, I look at Scanabody's lab, and I look at my home, and I say, I don't see any difference. There's just a lot of things that just got to go on for this operation of this thing to happen. 
In the home, there's the business of cooking and the business of cleaning and the business of laundry and the business of, all oh, the maintenance. Everything's breaking all the time. In the home and in the bathroom and in the vehicles, you know, and then there's the coordination. You know, homes have a, they might as well have a transportation department, you know, for coordinating which car is going to get go where and when to take the kids where. And then the homework that's got to get done, and then the et cetera, and the et cetera, and the et cetera. So the couples, they end up, they're not like Isaac and Rebecca in verse 8. They don't, they're not like children of play. They don't play. They don't know how to play. And then when the children leave the home, and the couple has enough money, they realize they're no longer in the old business. The old businesses are gone now. The children are gone. Their children are raised. The money has been made. And it becomes a crisis. Well, why are we together? And then they find themselves, and that's the business of health care. <laughs> and just taking care of each other's illnesses. You know, which doctor, which primary care, which specialist, when, which copay, which insurance, where, and how, and at what time, and et cetera, et cetera. And do you have your insurance card with you all the time? Did you remember it? <laughs> and all of that becomes consuming. They're not like children. They're not like verse 8. Isaac and Rebecca in verse 8. They're not like children at play. They're just business partners. They're not like playmates in verse 8 of Isaac and Rebecca. They've forgotten the art of playing together and having fun together. They don't know how to act like verse 8. They don't know how to. I like verse 8 because it reminds me of 8-year-olds. They don't know how to act like 8-year-olds, like Annabelle and Ariana on the chapel playground. Watch them. They're playful, they tease, they joke, they squeal in laughter together, they look forward to being with each other, they rejoice to be in each other's company. The couples, they've had children, they've known how to do all that playing together, but it's just been so long that they played together that they just wouldn't know where to start again. And when they're engaged with each other, way back when, then they played together, they were just married, then they played together, but they lost it all now, it's all gone. And over time, pride has come in and anger has come in and pride and anger has robbed them of being able to do what we're reading here in verse 8. Husband and wife acting like children of play. And they need to repent and to confess the pride and the anger that has robbed them of the playfulness and in humility, go down to the playground and let the 8-year-olds teach them how to play again with each other. Couples need in humility to go to the playground and ask the kids, how do you play? Couples in humility need to go to the playground and ask the kids, teach me how to play. And so remember, because laughing and playing like kids do with each other, it's lost and it's totally foreign. Love is a playful thing. Saying I love you only has meaning if it's said between people who are like what we see in verse 8. Children at play. Otherwise, for the most part, saying I love you is a snap-to trigger that results in the response of, I love you too. You're not going to let that one sit on me. No, I love you too. But if there is no playfulness between a, a husband and a wife, then when one says I love you, it's awkward. It's confusing. You know, for example, a group of women were at a seminar, and the subject of the seminar was how to live in a loving relationship with your husband. All right? So at the start of the seminar, to show the people the problem, the instructor asked the women, how many of you love your husband? So all the women raised their hands. Of course I love my husband, you know. And then they were asked, when was the last time you told your husband you loved him? Some of the women said, today. 
Some said yesterday, and some couldn't remember. <laughs> then the women were asked to do something very interesting. All the women were asked to take out their cell phones and to text the following exact words to your husband. Nothing else, just text this to your husband. I love you, sweetheart. All right? Then the women were told to exchange their cell phones among themselves and to read aloud the text messages. And here's the message that came back. Who is this? <laughs> here's another one. Hey, mother of my children, are you sick today? <laughs> yeah, and I love you too. What's wrong? <laughs> what now? Did you crash the car again? <laughs> another one. I don't understand what you mean. <laughs> another one. What did you do now? <laughs> another one. Don't beat about the bush. Just tell me how much you need. <laughs> Another one, am I dreaming? <laughs> another one, who's this message actually for? <laughs> and another one, I thought we agreed you wouldn't drink during the day. <laughs> another one, your mother is coming to stay with us, isn't she? <laughs> now, you know why they got those responses? Because verse 8 of Isaac and Rebecca playing together, it was gone from their relationship. And couples don't do verse 8. Isaac and Rebecca playing together like kids at play. They don't playfully say, I love you. It's totally foreign. And others can tell when couples are playing together at verse 8 or are not playing together. It can be seen in the light that goes on when they see each other. It can be seen in their faces. It can be heard as they laugh together. Abimelech did. Others, others know when they play together. And so that's why those two words at the end of verse 8 are so important. Behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. Why does it say his wife? Of course, Rebekah is Isaac's wife. We know that. Because there's a special, unmistakable playing that can be seen when a man and a wife are playing together. But these two words are added to tell us what Abimelech saw from his window. He saw that special playing together. It was unmistakable to him between a man and his wife. Abimelech saw Isaac playing and laughing with Rebekah. Abimelech knew no man can laugh like that unless he is playing with his wife that he's in love with. Sad to say today that if Abimelech looked out at most couples today, he wouldn't see that. And so Abimelech knew when he saw Isaac laughing, Abimelech saw in Isaac the laughter of a man just playing and rejoicing with the wife of his youth. That's what Abimelech saw Isaac and Rebekah doing. And they were just playing like kids play. They, Isaac was so happy. He's playing. He's rejoicing. He's laughing with Rebekah. Abimelech is seeing no sister makes a brother happy like that. <laughs> Only a wife can do that. And so he knew Rebekah was his wife. God has a special phrase for what Abimelech saw in Isaac and how he was treating his wife in verse 8. And God calls how Isaac was treating his wife by a phrase that's found actually in an interesting place when God is advising a man, don't divorce your wife. And in the phrases in Malachi 2.15, where it says, and did not he make one, yet had he the residue of the spirit. Wherefore one? That he might seek a godly seed. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against, and here's the phrase, the wife of his youth. Same phrase we read in Proverbs 5, rejoice with the wife of your youth. God's instruction to a man for how to repent from thoughts of divorcing his wife 
is to return to the way he viewed her when she was the wife of his youth. Return to how he used to be when they were young. Play again like you did when you were, when you were young, when she was the wife of your youth. Someone might say, but she's not the wife of my youth. <laughs> when she was the wife of my youth, she was young. She doesn't have that new car smell anymore you know, when she was young. You know, there's a lot of miles on that odometer. You know, it wasn't that way when she was young. You know, when she was young, all the curves and bulges were in the right place. Now all the curves and bulges are in the wrong place. You know, and she says, "How can I play with her?" And that's why the first part of verse eight is so important. When it says, "And it came to pass when he had been there a long time," that Abimelech saw and said that it was his wife. Sporting those words in verse eight, been there a long time. That's for our encouragement. You don't have to be young to play with your wife, to play with your spouse. You don't have to be young to rejoice with her, with him. Just remember how it used to be, which is the same idea, the same phrase that God uses to instruct those who have lost the joy of loving the Lord Jesus Christ when they used to. And he tells them in Revelation 2, 4 through 5, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Repent, do the first works. Or I'll come quickly, remove your candlestick, except you repent. See, calling God in Revelation 2.4, thy first love, is like a man calling his wife in Malachi 2.15, the wife of his youth. And saying in Revelation 2.4, thou hast left thy first love, is like saying to a man, you've left seeing your wife as when you did when you were young. And saying in Revelation 2.4, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, repent, do the first works, is like saying to a spouse, remember where you fell from when you were first married. Repent, confess, go back to doing what you did when you were first married. So verse 8 tells us Isaac was sporting with his wife. Actually, the Hebrew here in verse 8 is a play on words because the Hebrew word here for sporting, tzakak, is the same as Isaac's uh, name, yitzak. Yitzhak. So, I mean, it's funny when you read it in Hebrew because when you read verse 8 in Hebrew, which is about laughter, the way it reads, you laugh. First of all, Yitzhak is a poetic word. You know, it's the only word I remember from English class before I flunked it. But it basically means it's like galloping, you know, like a clip-clop, you know, the kind of words like that. So Yitzhak, ha-ha, <laughs> Yitzhak. So the way it reads here in Hebrew, it said Yitzhak Mitzachak. So in other words, it means Yitzhak was Yitzhaking with Rebecca. <laughs> Isaac was Isaacing with Rebecca. <laughs> After all, Isaac was a good Isaacer. Why shouldn't he Isaac? <laughs> That's the way it's reading. It's funny when it reads that way. So what it says here about Abimelech is it says Isaac was Isaacing with Rebecca. Yitzhak was Yitzhaking her with Rebecca. You know, Mr. Laughter was laughing <laughs> with Rebecca. This is one of the most tender and sweet pictures of a man and his wife in the Bible. Isaac and Rebekah playing and laughing together like kids. In all Scripture, this is the only time God shows us such a beautiful and rare picture of a man and his wife, just in the sheer joy and happiness of acting like children playing together. This is really, you know, it's like this is a Kodak moment. This is really a Selah moment right here. This is a Selah moment presented to us by God. And it's to lead us to our knees. It's to lead us to repentance. It's to lead us to confession and ask God to make us children again like we see in verse 8. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these pictures that you give us in the Scriptures, Lord, and how they lead us and encourage us. And we pray that we would, Lord, follow 
the examples that you set for us, and especially our supreme example, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Another great day of studying the Bible with Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher on Friendship with God from Genesis chapter 26 on the famine in the land with Isaac and going down to Egypt. If you'd like to study more resources from Tom Cantor, you can do so by going online to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also download all of Tom Cantor's messages and many of his materials for free, all at friendshipwithgod.org. Org. You can also sign up for the Tom Cantor's podcast of the Friendship with God radio program at iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, as we've mentioned to you in many of the announcements, we have the Summer Blitz going on right now in 15 U.S. and Canadian cities with 111 missionaries taking the gospel to the Jewish people. We've given you some of the testimonies of that outreach. Many Jewish people have come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior through this outreach this summer. And we've been able to help disciple them and improve their friendship with God as new Jewish believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to have a part in that, we'd like you to sign up for our newsletter for Israel Restoration Ministries and Friendship with God at our website, friendshipwithgod.org. You'll learn all the information going on with the Summer Blitz. We've hit over 400,000 doors with Jewish materials and also full-color fourfold gospel tracts. They're beautiful. If you'd like a pack of 20, you can get them by calling 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. They present the gospel from the Old Testament about Jesus Christ as the Jewish Messiah. They're beautiful. Great presentation of the gospel. Get them for your friends or Jewish people that you know. 20 pack. Call us at 800-247-3051 or friendshipwithgod.org.